Hey guys, welcome back to Real Time Crime. I'm Hannah. And I'm Joey. Just in time for the New Year's celebration, today's case will be covering Meredith Emerson, who went missing on New Year's Day. Take it away, Joey. Um, so like Hannah said, the story is about Meredith Emerson, and I would like to start the story by prefacing that she was a victim of a serial killer, um, and maybe one day we can cover the other stories and the other victims for the serial killer. So Meredith Emerson was born in Charleston, South Carolina, and grew up in Holly Springs, North Carolina. She attended and graduated from Newark High School, and in 2005, graduated from the University of Georgia with a bachelor's in French. So the story starts on New Year's Day 2008 when she went on a hike with her dog Ella to Blood Mountain in the Appalachian Trail. Per the Creepy Talk podcast, Meredith left a letter to her roommate saying, quote, I'm taking Ella hiking. I hope you have fun, quote. Some reports state that Ella was already used to hiking with Meredith and it was something that they did pretty often. Um, so, you know, it was normal that Meredith and Ella went hiking really any time of the year. So this was essentially the last day that Meredith was seen on New Year's Day. And she didn't come back that night and she also didn't come back the next day. So when her roommate realized that she wasn't back from her hike, she immediately called Meredith's boyfriend who was also quickly alarmed. So her boyfriend immediately went to check out the Blood Mountain Trail which was, you know, his first instinct going out to look for his girlfriend. I also read that there was something like a snowstorm, a blizzard. So he also thought that maybe she got snowed in and she couldn't drive back out and make it home. So he just assumed, oh, maybe she had to sleep in her car and she'll be back. So he goes to the trail. When he gets there, obviously her car is still there. And he goes, walks the trail and doesn't find her and doesn't really find anything um, like anything that fell out of her, he doesn't find the dog either. So after searching and not finding anything, he immediately reports her missing to the authorities and something really interesting came up. They marked her as a quote overdue hiker, which essentially just means like they're not necessarily missing, but like they went on a hike and just never came back. So technically she is missing, but they're just hoping she's somewhere in the trail. Is it like a timeline situation? Like, you know, like if, if, if they're missing for like four days, they're just labeled this way, but after that point, or is it, it's just completely, that's what she's labeled as. So I think it was like way too soon for them to say that she was missing. And because she went missing in, in the trail while she was hiking, like that was just their first assumption, I would guess. Oh, okay. Um, but like after she's missing for the third and fourth day, they realize that like she is actually missing. So rewinding back to New Year's Day, like I said, Meredith was hiking with Ella and on the way and while she's walking the hike or while she's like walking the trail, she encounters a 61 year old man named Gary Michael Hilton and his golden retriever dog. So when I read this, I just assumed I've, like it's common for everyone to just take their dogs and go on a hike. Um, so I, to me, it wasn't weird that he that she found another man and their dog. So this was actually reported by many other hikers who said they saw Meredith with this man. He had gray hair and his dog was just a big golden retriever and everyone just like notably saw them. Um, so reports state that they talked for a while in a very friendly manner. But given the fact that 
Gary was 61 years old at the time. He couldn't really keep up with Meredith and her dog. So he was kind of like falling behind. Um, and Meredith, I mean, she just kept walking. So when Meredith turned back around to like go back down the trail and like help him out, um, Gary was waiting for her at the bottom, which sounded like it was like a hill. So Meredith turns back around to like go find him and he's waiting for her at the bottom of the trail and is ready to attack her. So that's kind of when, you know, everything went down. So anyway, um, they keep fighting and, and during the trial, Gary states, quote, she wouldn't stop fighting and yelling at the same time. So I needed to both control her and silence her, quote. So during this time, Gary says that he punched her really, really hard to kind of like control her and silence her because he literally punched her so hard that he knocked her out. Both of her eyes were black and he broke her nose and he broke his own hand. That is really forceful. Like that is a lot. There's anger. Yeah. Yeah. So also we have to keep in mind he's 61. So I don't know how frail his bones are. But, like, also how strong are he's <laughs> A 61-year-old man. I forgot he was 61. A 61-year-old man did, yeah. or sorry, 60 at the time, did this to a 24-year-old woman? Yeah. And honestly, like, now that I, with hindsight, I, I think back and I think the only reason he, like, actually won was because he had this knife and he had a baton as well. And, you know, Meredith had martial arts experience. She could have easily taken him out and killed him if he didn't have a knife and the other weapon. So, so like I said, he also broke his hand from the impact. But so Meredith knocks out for a couple seconds or so he thought, because she gets right back up and tries to fight him back. Like this girl was fighting for her life to the last second. And um, this is when Gary kind of like is able to talk her down and says, you know what, just, I'm just trying to rob you. I just want your money. Give me your debit card and your pin number and I'll let you go. So she does, but he like forces. So there was like mixed um, articles that I read. Some articles said that he forced her to camp out with her, which I don't really know. I don't, I don't know what that means. Maybe it means like hold up in the woods. Cause you said she gets, she was missing on the first, but mm-hmm. showed up dead on the fourth. On the fourth. Yeah. They found her body on the fourth. She was killed on the fourth. Okay. Because so for three days, um, she was able to like buy herself some time because in the reports that I read, like she just kept saying um, like, like, oh, this is my pin. And then she was off by one number. So she just kept playing him for like three days, telling him that he she was giving him the right pin and she wasn't. Um, so like I said, some reports said that he like kept her hostage in his van and then the woods. Another report said that he like tied her to a tree so I don't really know like how how it happened, but we do know that he kept her basically kidnapped in the woods for three days. So during the trial, Gary stated that Meredith, quote, fought for her life from the moment he tried to overpower her, quote. And this just this quote just made me really sad. Like this girl really, really, really fought for her life till the last second. So after the three days that, you know, she kept trying to buy herself some time, she really had some hope that he would let her go. Um, but I think Gary at this point got tired of like getting the wrong pin number to her debit card. And he just got tired of waiting. This is a lot of effort for one debit card. 
And like, how much money are you getting from this girl? It cannot be millions. Just it's not going to be worth it. Yeah. yeah. Three days of holding her in the woods. So after the three days, Meredith and Gary get into another fight where unfortunately he stabs her to death and she bled out. Um, she, I don't think she had any, any more fight left in her after the three days that she's been in survival mode. Who knows if she got food or water also. After she bleeds out to death, basically, he proceeds to decapitate her and buries her body in the woods and covers it with leaves and like a bush. One thing I guess that came from this was that he stated that he couldn't get himself to kill her dog. So then he set Ella free and the dog was found two days after um, Meredith went missing. So I think like when I was reading the reports, when they found the dog, they were like hopeful that she was still somewhere out there. Although Ella was found 60 miles away from the trail, which is really, really far. If you think about it. I wonder if he, do you think he drove the dog to another town and let it go? No, because he said that like the dog Ella was with Meredith the whole time like they and we have to keep in mind like he had his own dog as well so he was gonna kill the dog and then he just couldn't do it so he just set it free so what I assumed was that Ella just like took off and she wasn't found for like two days so in two days she like ran or walked the 60 miles wow so we have to keep in mind like during this these three days the police are still heavily searching the trail um, they had a whole rescue mission. They searched the car. They searched the trail. They even pulled her phone records. But because she went missing, like, while she was hiking, there was nothing in the phone. She couldn't even, like, call her boyfriend. She couldn't really do anything with her phone. So the phone records was, like, a dead end. Um, they even got out a helicopter to, like, search the over overview of the hike, of the hiking trail. They also couldn't find anything, which kind of surprises me because like I don't know how well he covered or like how deep he covered the body because I feel like some way it would have been found but obviously it wasn't so after all these efforts are done by the police they get the Georgia Bureau of Investigation involved and that's where things start to get a little bit more deep um at this point also Meredith is like on the news her case is on the news and like basically everywhere so Many, many hikers that were there the day of call into the police and actually say, hey, I saw her with her dog, but I also saw her hiking with this man. So then all these people that are calling in are starting to describe what Gary looks like. Oh, well, he was like an older guy. He had a gray hair. He was wearing this and he had a golden retriever, right? So then there's tons of like tips and people calling in at this point. However, two people in specific really really helped the first man was bill clausen and he had seen um gary hiking with meredith and he knew gary personally so he was able to identify him by name only he didn't really know like where he lived or like whatever he but he was able to say that's gary another man who was a businessman his name is john tabor also called the hotline and he stated that gary had actually done some work for him um as a marketer so because he was like somewhat his employee, he had so much personal information on him. He had his birth date. He had his social security. He had information on his car. So he had his license plates. And this man literally immediately turns it over to the police and is like, 
do what you have to do with it go find him blah 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 and there it was <laughs> um mind you at this point obviously gary is way gone he like escaped right away because he knew he was a man that was like i'm the fbi most wanted however um i think the search lasted for like two to three days and one time they called so they tried to set him up where someone called him saying like hey you owe me money meet me at this place otherwise i'm gonna turn him turn you in i'm sorry gary actually um this is the method yeah but it doesn't work though it doesn't work because he like he falls for it and then like gives the money but then kind of leaves so by the time that the police gets there he's gone but the money was there if that makes sense yeah, it's just making me think of, I know you haven't seen this, but in the show Shameless, the one that they did like about Chicago, uh-huh. they try and trick the mom into coming back by telling her she won a contest. And it just like, it just makes me think of that. Because uh, <laughs> like, you never know what people fall for anything, especially if they're like desperate or like, yeah. you never know. So anyways, that was a bust. And then they keep trying. And until one day, someone sees him at a gas station and he's actually not even pumping gas. He's cleaning out the back of his truck. So I know. So he had a Ford Transit and he was cleaning like the back portion of it where he basically kept like the body and everything. So there was so much blood that he was trying to like clean up. But because they called the police right away, they were able to get to him, thankfully. So they, um, got the blood evidence and unfortunately well fortunately it was a match for Meredith's DNA this makes me curious how he was able to get away with three murders already I know he went to a gas station to clean out the trunk of his car clearly in enough daylight that people saw him doing it and if you really think about it like it doesn't really matter how far he was because Meredith's case was like on national news so how smart is it like oh let me go clean out my car when like my whole face is all across the world so yeah he got caught so after he got caught he was obviously charged with kidnapping and um murder but unfortunately he got a plea bargain because he said well if i tell you where the body is um can you not give me the death penalty so they actually said yes and he pled guilty to the kidnapping and murder charges However, he didn't get the penal- the death penalty. So before he shows the police where the body is hidden, he tells them, quote, you won't find the head, quote, because he decapitated her. I don't know where the head is because they only found the body. And if he hid it somewhere else, he just didn't say. Did he ever give an explanation why he decided to decapitate her after she was already dead? No, although he did say that he picked her because she was quote-unquote young that was his reasoning for picking her as a target so gary hilton was sentenced to life prison with the possibility of parole in 30 years like i mentioned in the beginning of this episode the authorities were quickly able to tie the other murders to him and realize that he was actually a serial killer So not only was he charged with the murder of Meredith Emerson, he was also charged with the murder of John and Irene Bryant, who was a couple in their 80s, and Cheryl Dunlap, a 46-year-old nurse and Sunday school teacher. So in total, he was given four life sentences and the death penalty for the murder of Cheryl only. So 
this I don't really understand the sever severity. I, I didn't research the murder of Cheryl, so it could have been worse, um, which is why for her murder, he got the death penalty. Either way, he's currently on death row um, at Florida's Correctional Institution, and he's currently 75 years old, um, and he only has, I think, like 15 years left until he can qualify for parole. Honestly, he won't make it, so thankfully he'll just die in prison. So unfortunately, Gary Hilton did have an extensive history of mental health. He also had a somewhat um, abusive childhood, which ultimately led to his actions like in his older age, which definitely doesn't definitely doesn't excuse what he did and his actions. But I think we can get a little bit more hindsight of why it happened. So at the age of 13, he shot and wounded his stepfather. Um, I don't know the severity of this wound, but I mean, he still shot him. Um, and his reasoning was that his stepfather was taken, taking away the attention from his mother. And he, he was ultimately, he was just jealous of his stepfather. So his stepdad was like, you know what? He's just a kid. Like, it's fine. How about we just send him to a mental hospital instead? And he didn't, he didn't press any charges. So they just sent him away. Um, so he, he went away and then at the age of 17 or eight or 18, he enlisted in the army and he was stationed somewhere in Germany while he was there, um, serving, he, he alleged that he started hearing voices and hearing things. So then he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, which result resulted in an honorable discharge from the service and then basically landed him in the mental hospital again. So I'm not really sure how long that lasted, um, but then he did marry three times, never had children, and then basically his hobbies were just like the outdoors and hunting and hiking. So he was hiking and, and hunting, and I think that's when he realized the many opportunities that he had to, to kill because all his victims were hikers, and he all killed them like while they were hiking, I think, if I'm not wrong. So... I think that just like extended his his serial killer. And honestly, I, I don't know how many more people he would have killed if he wasn't caught through Meredith. So I'm, I'm glad that came to an end because otherwise this trail would have just been notorious for going and dying and never coming back. That's insane that he has, I mean, that's a lot of heavy background, but yeah, it definitely doesn't excuse his actions or, you know, forgive them in any way. And now that I think about it, I'm sure like all the three wives had many red flags and it's kind of scary, like why he didn't stay in a mental institution. Like he obviously had red flags as a child and then it just kept getting worse. I mean, I can't blame no one for like not realizing or not like putting him in an institution, but it, like I'm sure there was always something there that was just like weird. As always, thank you guys so much for listening and don't forget to follow us if you haven't already. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Real Time Crime. We will be back next year on January 13th with our new case and a new cat.